What is the human template for storytelling? If you've been listening to me much the last year or so, you've probably heard me talk about this. I've started to talk about it a lot, but what does it actually mean? It's sort of the psychology aspect of storytelling, um, you know, story psychology itself, but what is it? What does it really mean? That's what I'm going to talk about today on this podcast, and I think that it's really important that you understand this aspect of storytelling if you want to be a really effective storyteller, which we all know you want to be if you want to be a really successful author. So stay tuned, and we're going to talk about what that actually means and how to define the human template for storytelling. Hi there. Do you want to write fiction that readers gush about, but you can't figure out how to fill in the beginning, middle, or end of your story? I can help with that. Do you struggle to flesh out character or plot or to stick with your story long enough to finish it? I can help with that. Once your book is written, are you totally clueless about marketing? Do you find yourself Googling how to market a book or how to make money on fiction? I can help with that. Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. You know you're meant to write fiction, but you can't seem to nail down the skills or processes that make it simple and repeatable, not to mention fun. So you wait around for the muse to show up, try to force your story into a template or outline, or take months, if not years, to discover your story. Plot twist, there's a better way. Hi, I'm Liesl, USA Today bestselling author, story psychologist, writing craft geek, Christian, and story clarity coach. After 10 years of trying to master fiction using the old industry standard writing advice, I still felt lost. I finally learned what fictional storytelling and the human template are really about. Humanity, emotional connection, and serving our readers by giving them relief through vicarious experience. Imagine learning how to flesh out your characters, plot, world, and theme with such definition and clarity that every story you ever write lands with readers and makes people go, wow, now there's an author. Imagine knowing how to drill down to the heart of your story to learn what it's really about and tell the unique story that only you can tell so that you can get more readers, more downloads, more royalties, and of course, more fiction writing success. This is the podcast for you. We are prolific authors. Okay, so let me ask you this. Have you ever read a book that just absolutely knocked your socks off? Like, you finished reading it, and it was just so damn satisfying that you went, wow, now there's a true storyteller. I will read everything this author writes until the end of time. Well, we all dream of readers saying that about us, right? But it's a whole lot easier said than done. Um, I will tell you of a time when I had an experience like this, as a reader, not as a writer, like something that... I read that I really loved, okay? I was and am a huge, huge fan of the Wheel of Time series, okay? When I say that, I mean the books, not the Amazon series. (laughs) Don't get me started on that dumpster fire. It's the quintessential read the book, do not watch the movie kind of thing. Um, But anyway, understand that this is a high fantasy series, okay? It's probably my favorite book series of all time. It is a 14 book series, so it's very long, and I really had this up on a pedestal, okay? I started reading it when I was in the 10th grade, and they already had, I think, eight books out. By the time I finished the eighth book, the ninth one came out, and then after that I was caught up, and so a book was only coming out every year or two, and I just loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved the characters. I loved the world. I loved the magic system. I loved the epicness of it. I loved the battles. I mean, I just could not get enough of the series, and even being a 14-book series, I've read the sucker all the way through, like beginning to end, like three or four times, guys, okay? So that's how dedicated I am, and 
I got to a point before the final book of the series came out where I realized that I really had this up on a pedestal. So I recognized that my expectations were really, really high. And I kind of had to admit to myself that no matter what happened in the final book, no matter how great it was, no matter how epic it was, no matter how well written it was, I was probably going to be disappointed. Not because of anything to do with the story or the writing, but just because my expectations were so high. Have you ever had that experience where you have such high expectations that even if it was really great, it's still a little bit of a disappointment by comparison. So I kind of had this fear that that was going to be the case with me. The final book, because this was a, you know, a classic high fantasy, I knew it was going to be a final battle between good and evil, you know, all of the characters facing their nemesis in the story and, and the, this great final battle that they've been building to since book one. And I just went, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to be disappointed because I have built the story up so much in my head, you know. And that's just the reality of it. Well, eventually, of course, the 14th and final book came out, A Memory of Light. And guess what? <laughs> it totally knocked my socks off, okay? It was probably the best ending to any series I have ever read. I was not disappointed in the least, which, of course, was a relief. That was so refreshing. Um, but let me tell you, Robert Jordan is definitely an author to read, to love, to watch, and to learn from, okay? He was not your average run-of-the-mill author, because your average run-of-the-mill author is not going to write a gargantuan series like this. I mean, it had like 200 characters, and he reportedly had thousands upon thousands of pages of notes, okay? Most of us cannot even conceive of something like that. But at its core, you have to understand that Robert Jordan, he knew how to tell a story, how to shape characters, how to, how to do setups and payoffs, I mean, that's what made the final book so good, is because we, he had set up so many things along the way, and he paid every single one of them off, and he did it well, okay? He, he knew how to communicate a story in a way that evokes emotion. In short, Robert Jordan, while he probably didn't call it this, because this is my term for it, he used the human template of storytelling. And if you can use that with every single one of your stories, every single one of your stories will be a success. Now, it doesn't matter whether you write really, really long epic fantasies or perhaps really short romance novellas. You should still be using the human template for your stories because it is how you can be certain that your audience, your readers, will always connect with your stories 100%. And Robert Jordan just took this and did this on this massive epic scale. In my opinion, the more epic the story, the more epic the catharsis. And therefore, the more epic the readership will be, okay? The more they will love it, the more they will connect with it. And understand that when I say epic, I'm not talking about the length of your story. You can write a short story that is 7,000 words and still have it be epic, okay? Epic is just about the scope and the grandeur of it. And that can be about the action, but more often, especially with books, because we're inside the reader's heads, inside their thoughts, inside their emotions, it really has more to do with that, the epic emotion, the epic stakes that the story presents, right? Um, okay, so I talk about the human template a lot, and you probably have heard me mention it, but you may not be terribly familiar with what it actually means. So let's talk about that. First of all, why do we write stories to begin with? This is something that you need to understand. Of course, we all have our individual reasons for doing it. We all have our why. But in general, I would submit that there are really two umbrella reasons for why most authors write stories. 
The first is to evoke emotion, otherwise known as catharsis. And the second is to connect with people, okay? But these two things really go hand in hand. We connect with our readers through our stories. And that connection is facilitated via emotional catharsis. So it all works together, right? Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? The core reason we want to write stories is to share them with people, right? And that helps us to connect with people. We may not think about it that way quite when we're actually writing our story, but really when you tear it down to the nuts and bolts, that's what it is. We are trying to connect with people through story. Well, the way that people connect with story is through the emotion in the story. So they go hand in hand, okay? As you know, because I've said it a million times, <laughs> all humans absorb story in exactly the same way. We're wired to latch onto and enjoy stories that we can relate to. And of course, according to Vogler, a story is a metaphor for a journey that leads to change. What that means is that human beings are automatically going to identify with stories where a human being in the story goes through a change. Okay, the bigger and more realistic the change, the better. We identify with that change and therefore we like the story. So, of course, we all know the basic formulas for stories. There's a lot of them, but there are things like intro, conflict, rising action, climax, denouement. There are literally hundreds of story templates out there that address different parts of the story, different aspects of the journey, and they have different levels of depth, right? Some of them are only three steps or three acts, while others have dozens and dozens of beats, like uh, Save the Cat, right? But what you have to understand is that all of these templates, in some respect, follow the same journey that I like to call the human template. We always start with a baseline for the character. In my 10 plot points, it's called the world before. Then we introduce a conflict. The character is forced to react to that conflict, right? As he or she reacts and usually fails quite a bit, the tension ratchets up. Things get worse and worse, okay? The stakes get higher. The character gets more frustrated. They're often in more danger. And then we hit the highest point of the story where the character is forced to change in some way in order to meet the challenge that's been presented to them. Or at least they have to change if they want to triumph. Sometimes you might write a cautionary tale where maybe they don't change and that results in tragedy in some way, okay? But no matter which kind of story you write, the human template that threads through it is the same. It's about character change. It's about an outside influence that is working on the character and they are forced to change in order to deal with it in some way. This kind of story is so easy... No, you know what? I was going to talk about how this template is the easiest for humans to relate to, but honestly, I think it's the only way we relate to story. I don't think it's the easiest way. When a story doesn't follow this template, we still do subconsciously look for the elements of that story, but when we don't find them, we lose interest, okay? Hence, a boring story or a lack of connection by the audience, okay? So what I'm really talking about here, I'm, I'm kind of giving you the psychological explanation for why we sometimes get bored with stories or why even if something seems to be really well written we're still just not connecting with it okay it's missing something something that we need in order to connect with it and if that that element isn't there we think it's boring and we lose interest and of course that's what a reader is going to say eh it kind of dragged in the middle i was kind of bored they can't tell you that you're missing an element of your story and that's why they didn't connect with it and achieve emotional catharsis right <laughs> most writers are not going to be able to tell you this these are you know 
psychological words, and it's not the way that most readers express themselves, but this is the reason why some stories just do not appeal to us. Let me tell you a story about one. So I read a book, I, I honestly do not remember who the author was, it was years ago, and it was basically an espionage novel. And I, I just, it was so boring. I, I could not stick with it. And I think I finally pushed through to the end because uh, I've got a little bit of a finishing complex that way. I wanted to finish it and see if it got any better. And I could not figure out why it was not appealing to me. Like, it was well-written. There was not um, typos. There was not bad grammar. The characters were well-fleshed out. It actually had a pretty good romance in it. Um, and for some reason, it just was not appealing to me. So that's what I mean. Sometimes we can't pinpoint why, especially as readers. But I promise you, that story was missing some element that was, because it was missing, was not keeping me in the story. And I'm pretty sure it was some sort of emotional element. I think that story was, because it was espionage, was mostly action and very little emotion. And so I just had a hard time sticking with it. And I couldn't recognize that back then. This was when I was like in high school and I, I didn't know how to express that. So I was a reader. I was not a writer at that point, right? And this is what happens. But on the flip side, if you incorporate the human template into your story, the audience almost can't not connect with it. And the stronger you make the elements, the better. The human template creates such intense story satisfaction that the audience can't help but love it, okay? So the next question is, why does this pattern invoke such satisfaction in our readers? Like, why does it even do that? What is, what is the reasoning behind that? Well, okay, I'm going to try not to get too much into the nitty-gritty psychology of it all, but it's like this. These stories are all about change, right? Humans are wired for story because we're also wired for change and growth and adaptation. We're wired to appreciate it when someone changes for the better and then triumphs over something, okay? Even if we don't like it, we're wired to understand and appreciate failure and the consequences of that failure, like what we would see in a cautionary tale. So obviously, if we watch a cautionary tale that ends up tragically, we don't love that. We think it's sad. We think it's awful and harsh. And But we also recognize that because the character didn't change, this is what happened. And we can appreciate that story, right? Not to mention, this is a template we live out every second of every day of our lives. From the first time we ever try to walk, to our first day of school, to our first job, and beyond, we rarely do anything perfectly the first time. It takes a lot of trying and failing, what we call try-fail cycles in <laughs> when we're writing, right? And we have to do that a lot before we get it right. And then there's the fact that we, as a species, are very resistant to change. So we understand the character's resistance to change. So you see what I mean? The human template for storytelling is the human experience. And as I like to say, you can do this with any story, any type of character or character arc, any age range. It doesn't matter what genre you write or if you write lots of different genres. If you can nail down the human template, readers will come back to you again and again, no matter what you write, because they will know that you know how to tell a great story. And, you know, by these definitions, what exactly is a quote-unquote great story? It's one that the reader can connect with. And I know that sounds a little bit, um, it's probably one of those things some people are going to be annoyed with me because it's not an exact logical definition. But hear me out. If a great story is simply one that the reader can connect with, 
That's because the story gave them an emotional catharsis. See, when the reader begins a story and starts to see the little mysteries that you seed in at the beginning and the setups you pepper throughout the narrative, they feel intrigued. And they want to know how things turn out, right? But why? Why are human beings so captivated by that? Again, most people couldn't really tell you. They're just, yeah, it's interesting. I just, I don't know, I just want to know. But why? I don't know, I just do, right? The reason, whether they know it or not, is because they're wired to expect and look for that catharsis. This is why if you set something up at the beginning of your story and then don't pay it off, the reader experiences such profound disappointment. Well, first of all, they're going to be really pissed off, okay? And they're probably going to give you some bad reviews. And they might never pick up another thing that you've ever written, okay? And that seems like a really over-the-top reaction to just, you know, a story that they didn't like the outcome of. But really, because we're wired to expect that and to want and to need the ending, they really do have that dramatic of an emotional reaction to it, okay? Which is why, don't do that. Don't set up and not pay off. Please do not do that, okay? Their brains really can't handle the frustration of not reaching that catharsis. And how do they reach it? Just by getting to the end of your story and seeing you pay it off. That's all, okay? The next question I want to ask you is, when do your readers hit their catharsis in the story? Now, you might be saying, well, I don't know, it depends on the story. Yes, that's true, but I can tell you the sort of the template point when they always hit it. It's when the character change happens, okay? So you have your climactic moment, and somewhere around that climactic moment is when the character experiences their true transformation. That is when the reader is also going to hit their emotional catharsis, okay? And that is not accidental. That is just what makes sense, right? You have started them by showing them who the character was at the beginning at their baseline. You have shown them trying to deal with a change that they had no control over. Something is acting upon them from outside them, right? And things get worse and worse, and they often experience tragedy, and they experience frustration and failure, and you get to a point where if they do not change, something bad is going to happen. Now, of course, it can be that they're going to die, but it also could just be that they're going to fail, you know, or they're not going to achieve their aims, what their goals and desires and motivations are for the story. And that would still be a bad thing. When you reach that climactic moment, you, if you've done your job, should have ratcheted the tension up so much that the reader can't tear their eyes away. They need to see if this character is going to change and triumph or not change and fail, okay? This is what they're looking for in a story, and it doesn't matter if it's an action story or, or literary fiction, okay? It doesn't matter if we're talking about flying on the backs of dragons or we're talking about um, a contemporary romance. This should be present in every story because this is what your reader is looking for when they pick up your book. As an author, it is your job to help the reader connect with the story. And how do you do that? By manufacturing this emotional catharsis for them. And how do we manufacture emotional catharsis? By following the human template, which is essentially Vogler's definition of story. A story is a metaphor for a journey that leads to change. Are you starting to kind of understand better why I love that quote so much? Because I think it is the most hitting the nail on the head definition of what true story is, okay? It's, it's the foundational pieces of story. It is a metaphor for a character journey that leads to their change. And if they do not change, I'm sorry to sound dramatic, but I, I like to say it this way. If they do not change, they're going to die. And that does not have to mean literal death in 
the story, but it could be romantic death. If they do not change, they're not going to end up with their, you know, romantic partner that they're meant to be with. Or they, um, if they do not change, they are not going to win the competition or, you know, whatever the case may be. But we call them death stakes because even if it's not literal physical death, there's the death of something if they don't achieve that. Okay. So, this is really what you have to understand. You're going to start the character where they are. You're going to basically put them through hell, trying to force them to change, and the character is going to resist, and it's going to be hard, and they're going to go through a lot of things, and then they are going to reach a point at the climactic moment of the story where they either have to change or die. Again, not necessarily literally, but in some way, right? This is what a story is. Whether they know it or not, this is what your readers are looking for. You need to take that human template into account when you are crafting your stories. If you are missing elements of it, you're going to lose your reader, period. Okay, there's no way around that. Anytime that I, you know, have coached anyone and they have come to me and said, I don't understand what's wrong with this chapter, but I can tell it's tanking. Because usually, as, as authors, you can usually tell that something's wrong and you're just not sure how to fix it, right? Usually, it's because you're missing an element of the human template, okay? Across the board, 100% of the time. It might be different elements in different situations, but that is almost 100% of the time what the problem is. So, once again, if you can master the human template, every story you ever write will land with your readers, okay? It can't not because they are wired to absorb story that way. Sure, there are other elements that can also hinder, you know, the absorption of that story. You want to make sure it's well edited, you want to make sure your characters are well fleshed out, that you have good backstory, good motivations, tons of things. We all know that writing deals with so many moving parts that we have to juggle. It feels like a three-ring circus sometimes, doesn't it? But the human template is foundational, okay? And what I mean by that is no matter how good your spelling and grammar are, no matter how well fleshed out your character backstories are, no matter how exciting your action, if you don't master the human template, none of that will matter because you can't, you know, it would be putting lipstick on a pig. Readers will not connect with your story if the foundational human template is not there. Okay, so of course all of those other things are very, very important, but there's almost no point in spending all that time on them if you don't have the human template down, okay? Think about that word I used earlier, foundational, okay? Everything else that goes on top is very important, and I'm not telling you to disregard that, but without that foundation, no matter what else you do, your story is going to crumble, okay? It needs that foundation to hold it up. This is why there will always be some authors who don't have raging fans because they refuse to do the work to master the human template and give their fans what they're craving, okay? What their brains are wired to digest where story is concerned. And what are those things? They are wired to digest humanity, emotion, change, and catharsis. In other words, the human template, okay? If you can master this human template, your writing will grow by leaps and bounds, I guarantee it. You'll have more readers, more downloads, more raging fans who will finish the final line of every novel you publish and they will say, wow, now there's a true storyteller. I will read everything this author writes until the end of time. And that's what we want, right? Okay, so I hope this has been helpful to you. I hope that you can strive to master the human template in your story moving forward. In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful week of writing, and always remember, there is always a market for awesome. See you next time, guys.
Before you go, if you found value in this episode, can you do me a solid and share it with other authors you think might benefit from it? Remember, the rising tide lifts all boats. Also, if you haven't yet, would you be willing to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts? It's the only way for me to know that you're enjoying the podcast, and it helps Apple recommend it to other authors like you who might benefit from it. Finally, if you haven't already, hop over and join the Prolific Author community on Facebook. Inside, authors network, ask questions, and I often do teaching via Facebook Lives. Thank you so much for listening today. Happy story crafting this week. And remember, there is always a market for awesome. <laughs>